Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Episode 2 of TV I Say with Ashley Ray. I am here. I'm Ashley Ray. I'm here to talk about TV uh, and whatever else I want to talk about. I am so excited about today's episode. We have some really, really exciting guests today. We have Cecilia Peck and Inbal Lesnar, the team behind the amazing documentary Seduced. Uh, I obviously have been following Seduced, The Vow, this whole Nexium thing, the trial for a long time. And if you're listening, you probably read my my article on the AV Club, uh, declaring Seduced the better of the documentaries. So I'm very excited. Today, we're going to talk to them. But before we get to all that, let's get into the TV I say, what we got to say. What what you watching? What you watching? What am I watching this week? Whew, I watched a lot of TV this last week. I made the list. Let's just go out. Let's just go through it. Uh, we got the Comedy Store documentary on Showtime, Unsolved Mysteries on Netflix. For some reason, I got bored and watched some old episodes of Gossip Girl, which is a fun show to revisit if you have nothing better to do. I've been getting back into Love After Lockup and Life After Lockup, two shows that I wanted to quit watching. There was like a wave of these sort of shows that rely on incarcerated people getting canceled and I think there is a a lot to ask yourself when you watch Love After Lockup or Life After Lockup about the ways they use and manipulate people who are fresh out of the prison system. Uh, but that being said, these are people who are out of the prison system, who have fallen in love, who want to be on the show. And it's good TV. So I'm back into watching it. This new season, it's pretty crazy. Check it out on WeTV. Uh, we had Blackish come back last week uh, after the podcast aired after our last episode. Blackish uh, season premiere, the official premiere, focused on the COVID nineteen virus, the quarantine. It was a, a solid episode, solid premiere. Also with the Goldbergs, uh, you know I love family sitcoms. The Goldbergs is one I've been watching for way too long. Pretty sure I'm the only person in the world who still watches it. Uh, they had a really really fun premiere though. My only question about it is that it looked kind of odd. I think with a lot of these sitcoms, what we're going to see with COVID-19 is that they they have to really change the way that they're filming. They have to change the way that certain casts interact with each other. And the Goldbergs premiere was kind of a, a really good example of a way of doing that successfully. So I'd say check it out. Uh, they, they set the whole episode as like an airplane parody. If you remember that movie, Airplane from the 70s, the comedy, uh, it's a parody of that. And it's pretty successful. Good job, Adam Goldberg. Big fan. Uh, I also checked out Who is America, the TV show by Sasha Baron Cohen. Obviously, everybody's probably watching Borat, too. And I saw that, loved it. So I decided to go back, check out Who is America. I didn't watch it when it came out. Absolutely loved it. I actually loved it even more than Borat 2. I thought it was amazing. I, I don't know how it didn't get more attention when it first came out. I remember like a lot of the clips people checking out. But the full series, definitely worth your watch. I think probably my favorite moment is when he forces all of these old conservative white men to go undercover as liberals. And in order to do so, he encourages them to learn synopsis of girls episodes. Uh, and it's hilarious watching them be like, yes, my favorite episode of girls is uh, when Marnie goes to her ex-boyfriend's house. And it's brilliant. Uh, also, Nathan Fielder writes on it. Nathan Fielder is a, a love of the podcast. We're big fans. 
So check out Who is America. If you didn't already watch it, you probably already did. Uh, We also, obviously, 90 Day Fiance, The Other Way, still watching 90 Day, always. Uh, We just had Darcy and Stacey end, which was good. Definitely recommend out of all the 90 Day Fiance spinoffs. The Family Chantel is still on, which I don't recommend out of all the spinoffs. We also have the 90 Day Fiance franchise branching out into Facebook TV, which is interesting. I will probably inevitably watch those shows and let you know how they are. But for now, just stick with 90 Day Fiance the other way. I also dug into a ton of 30 Rock episodes this week. No idea. No idea why I felt like just watching some 30 Rock reruns, but some good laughs. You know, if you're out there and you're like, I want to understand how to write a script that uses music and comedy well, or I just want to learn how to write some one-liners, 30 Rock is a great show to study. Other things I watched that were new this week, the Amber Ruffin show on Peacock. This show premiered, I believe, Four episodes ago, four weeks ago, they have four episodes out. It's just getting better and better and better, finding its voice, finding its groove. I really loved this last episode. Some hilarious musical comedy. I've had the song stuck in my head all week. You got to check out the Amber Ruffin show on Peacock. Just, it's so funny. It's so good. An amazing team of writers behind it. Uh, And then anything else I watched this week, huh? I guess I watched some new things that came out on Netflix this week. Moving on, let's talk about our clip of the week. This is the part of the podcast where I share my favorite clip from all those shows that I was just listing. This week, my clip of the week comes from the Comedy Store documentary on Showtime. If you know me, you know I'm a stand-up comic. I love, love, love doing stand-up. I miss doing stand-up in front of live people. And watching this documentary has just, it's been like a knife in my heart. A knife. I just, I miss it so, so much. Watching all these comedians, the greats. I miss going to the comedy store. I miss being there late at night. It's a wonderful watch in quarantine if you're a comic. Uh, My clip of the week is one of my favorite jokes from Sam Kinison. The documentary, I think, does a really good job of highlighting Sam Kinison. I think it does have some issues when it comes to some other comics and sort of glorifying comedy a bit too much. Uh, But Sam Kinison... Sagittarius, one of my favorites, one of my icons. So he is my clip of the week. How come you don't say what's wrong with men? How come you only talk about what, what women do? How come you don't uh, There's a reason! There's a fucking reason! Because a man never broke my fucking heart! A man never lied to me in love! A man never made me want to drive my car into a fucking wall! Classic Sam Kinison on that one. Just love it. Love, love Sam Kinison. Love that joke. Love stand-up comedy. Watch the Comedy Store on Showtime. The last episode uh, comes out this Sunday on Showtime. TV, I say. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. A heads up. This next conversation goes into some sensitive topics. So if you're not feeling it today, skip ahead a few minutes or join me for the next episode. So before we get to our interview, it is time for our spoiler bitch disclaimer. And in today's episode, there are no there are no spoilers, no spoilers this week. Uh, I'm talking to the team behind Seduced, a documentary that can't really be spoiled. And I'm guessing at this point, you probably are pretty familiar what happens with Keith Raniere and India Oxenberg. So no spoilers this week. Please enjoy the conversation. Showtime. 
Hello, today on the podcast, my guests are Cecilia Peck and Inbal Lesner. I am so excited. They are the team behind Seduced, uh, incredible women. They've put together an incredible team to really dig into the story of India Oxenberg uh, and not just her escape from Nexium, but the difficult journey she had in becoming a survivor and realizing the trauma she went to went through. I'm so excited to have you here today. How are you doing? Thanks so much for having us, Ashley, and for all your coverage of of this topic and uh, and the and the support you've shown to our series. Yeah, so happy to be here. Yeah. So from the top, I kind of wanted to talk about your backgrounds. Uh, I believe the first project you two worked on together was Brave Miss World, uh, which is a film, a documentary about Miss Israel and how she was raped and assaulted. And then six weeks later, still had to compete for Miss Universe, correct? Yes. So she came to us, she came to the United States looking for a a female film crew to document her decision to speak out about what had happened to her because 10 years earlier, she was brutally raped just six weeks before she competed in the Miss World competition. And she ended up winning the crown in trauma. And she vowed to herself that night to one day tell her story, but it took her a long time to heal and get ready. And we uh, embarked on a journey with her that we thought would be you know, one-year project of her speaking out about um, surviving rape. And that turned out to take five years to document. So it was a big chunk of our lives. Um, But I think while we were doing it, one of the many things we learned was how to be supportive of somebody who had undergone trauma as they were summoning the courage to tell their story. And, you know, telling these stories is so important. If if that crime had been reported, if women had felt safe enough to speak out before Lenore, she wouldn't have been raped. That was another serial predator. So that was part of what we brought with us um, when we began to investigate Nexium and what had happened to to these intelligent, you know, really extraordinary women who were sucked into this dangerous cult. Yeah. And I think all these former members who were considering working with us were able to see that and, you know, use that as a barometer to really evaluate us and our sensitivity. And um, so, you know, I think that helped us gain some credibility with them. Yeah. I feel like uh, there is a lot of value that's obvious in having a women-centered team behind documentaries like this. Uh, Do you feel that's rare in the industry right now? I mean, obviously, we're seeing more of these narratives with Me Too. Uh, how do we make sure that we're, you know, getting women behind these projects, people who really understand the sensitivity that's needed? You know, there are a lot of incredible women in this field uh, of documentary. My filmmaking mentor, Barbara Koppel, is who I, I learned uh, from, you know, to go deep into a story and follow the characters, um, follow follow a story from start to finish. So it's it's not a field that has been unwelcoming to women. Um, we come from a great tradition of, of women documentary filmmakers. I think we felt that with this story, it was really important to create that safe environment on the set. Uh, so we really tried to have women, uh, you know, all female crews whenever we could. Our whole production has been women driven, our two execs at at stars, uh, Karen Bailey and Alice Dickens Coblin, you know, from the top down, you know, the two of us have run every aspect of this production, but we, we have women as editors, as DPs, as sound recordists. So that a, a lot of thought went into creating the, the most supportive environment that we could, um, not only on the set, but in the editing room and beyond. And we added some you know, wonderful male allies along the way. And we weren't able to always have exclusively female crew. Uh, But there were some days, and I remember specifically the first day of shoot that we ever shot, that we were all, I think, 11, 10 or 11 women. Um, And all the crew members said this was their first experience working on an exclusively female uh, crew. And it did just bring up something really special in terms of the professional camaraderie and the openness and of course the 
comfort level of the interviewee. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we interviewed everybody who worked on the film in any capacity to assess whether they would be able to have sensitivity to trauma survivors. And most people said, this is the kind of project I wait for. And I've waited my career to work on something that really counts. And I will do everything I can to make those women feel supported. But down to talking to people about how you mic somebody who's who's been through trauma. And we always had a woman putting a mic on another woman because sometimes you do have to pick somebody's shirt up and making sure that it was done in private, not on the set in front of people who were working and setting up lights or camera, but take them to a private space, make sure to say, is this okay? And we're, we're definitely very proud of the the kind of rule book or conditions that we were able to establish and create for making sure everybody felt safe. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think that shows throughout the production. Uh, what I loved most about Seduced is that it isn't just, you know, a, a exciting thing about a cult in this, you know, story of sex slaves. What it really was to me is a guide to becoming a survivor. It doesn't just show us how you get indoctrinated into a cult, uh, but the steps to healing, uh, especially through India, uh, who I think in her her own words has said, you know, it took her a long time to kind of wake up. It wasn't even when she got back home. It was listening to the files, listening to the evidence that finally kind of woke her up. Uh, so again, working with people who've been through that kind of trauma, uh, was that something you always wanted to centralize in the narrative? Did that kind of just happen following India's story? You know, I just have to say something about India. Today, you see her and she's been so gracious to do, you know, so many, so much press for the series. And she's so eloquent and, and radiant and uh, strong. And this wasn't the India, exact India we met, um, you know, a year ago. So it, it's a process. And I think we wanted to, one of the things we wanted to highlight that it's, it's not an easy process to survive the manipulation, the coercion, the thought reform that happens in high control groups like this. And that uh, that was exciting that it was a process she was letting us in on, that she was she wanted us to join her on this journey of asking herself, how did I get here? How did this happen to me, to my brain? And those are really interesting questions for us. And the fact that she trusted us to take us on that journey and today you see her like stronger. She figured a lot of things out that were not clear to her. You know, they say that a cult, your cult persona is just takes away who you were before and you'll never really go back to the way you were before. Um, and I heard Catherine Oxenberg on an, on an interview saying she feels like she's finally starting to get some of her old daughter back. And it's it's a lifelong recovery process, and we just wanted to kind of let the viewers in on a on a on a little glimpse of it. Yeah, I really do love how seduced. Also, it doesn't try to place Nexium as this really special, different cult led by a special guy. It just outright says. This call is no different than these other cults. His tactics were no different than these other tactics. Uh, what kind of research did you guys do to, to learn about all these other cults to place it in that, that context? Well, as you see in the series, there are um, a number of experts and really foremost authorities in the field who, who comment on the tactics used by Nexium and analyze the similarities between their playbook and where Keith drew from, from all these other cults. So we did spend a lot of time researching, reading, speaking to these experts, and then interviewing them for the film. Um, and to to put it in that context of how, how does Nexium fit in? I mean, they were so good at creating a facade that seemed very legitimate, this executive success program something that you signed up for to learn the tools and skills to advance in your chosen career in your life. Um, but behind it all was a master predator and manipulator and, you know, who's now been convicted of everything from racketeering to sex trafficking. So the women who spoke up in our film were also another big part of the education 
How did you get involved? What did that targeted recruitment look like? What was their real skill, maybe different than other cults, in making you believe this was a positive program or experience? So yeah, I guess between the women who came forward, um, our own research, the cult experts, it I think it took a long time to grasp how this organization worked. Yeah, and that, that's almost by design. He made it so complicated. It was probably, I don't know, six months into it that I felt like we were just starting to really understand the intricacies. And I know when we finally hired editors and the learning curve was certainly steep to kind of just wrap your head around what is this world? What is this maze of classes? What leads to the other, you know, what step leads to the other? So we took a very, you know, chronological, detailed approach, just kind of step by step, really telling you, okay, this is the first course and this is where it leads to. And this is what happens when they convince you to go on the stripe path and become a coach. And these are the level two classes and the gender-based classes and really laying it out, kind of the blueprint for India's indoctrination with all the other women sort of complementing and supporting that, that journey and how they intersected um, with India and also had their own traumatic experiences. Yeah, I also felt like that really sort of guided the way that you two used Keith Ranieri's uh, own teachings in your documentary. Uh, you don't really sort of focus on the more flowery moments, but sort of just go straight for the gut of looking at his most harsh, uh, misogynistic statements. Uh, was that important for you to include to really, you know, not not sort of focus on this idea of him as someone who talked to the Dalai Lama so much, but to really just cut to the core? You know, it's hard to make a series and get one funded and get one on the air. We were working for stars. That was something important to them is to let their audience know up front what story we were looking at. You know, we always wanted people to follow India's journey and the journey of the other women on how, what is it that you sign up for and what do you get from it that's positive and why do you sign up for the next? And our film yeah, I think does take a viewer through an experience that they might think they would have agreed to as well or been interested in at maybe at a certain time in their life. Stars did push us to make sure to lay out up front the um you know the crimes, the the horrors to know where it was leading to and we had a really amazing collaboration with them. I think we you know we managed to to do both to both step into it as as India did and and Deborah and Naomi and Kelly and Ashley and all the amazing women who came forward but but also to you know to make the audience understand that this story had stakes. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's not easy to boil down India's five years of indoctrination into the first hour and a half of the series. I mean, this it required a lot of choices, a lot yeah. of edi tough editorial choices. And of course, you have moments where you just want to let it play out. But I think it's also Im really important to point out in this like ocean of word salad, like what was that one line that they were implementing to tweak your thinking, to switch something. You know, when Nancy Saltzman says, oh, because women feel and men think. And you just, she laughs it off. And it's just like, you know, that was yeah. in the middle of a, a big like question set. But so you might, at that point, you might be so... Just willing to accept what they were saying. Yeah, and it, like the words will wash over you. It's just so much word babble. I, you know, I, I'm struggling for the words to to really characterize it, but it, I mean, the, the correct clinical word for it is word salad. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's just... A, I think word salad definitely applies to Keith Raniere's teaching. But then you hear that line and you're like, oh, so they accepted that as a given and they built upon that truism to you know, all this other misogyny that was thinly veiled as women empowerment. And so that's what we were really interested in. So we were had to be really careful choosing those moments that tell you, okay, you're, you're thinking that you're going to some 
empowering sorority and this wonderful supportive community as as one of as Ashley says you know I'm interacting with women of status I'm like in a room with Claire Bronfman um with a billionaire but you know what I'm really getting is pure misogyny yeah but that's also in Val your incredible skill as an editor is to find those moments you know among thousands of hours of footage and interviews and, and archival to find the line that will illuminate what happened. Yeah. And I, I think you did such an incredible job of that. And just, I think in the first 10 minutes, you, you use some of his most shocking quotes around, you know, children and, and just horrible things. And it's, it's, it works backwards to go at first. You're like, how could anyone listen to this? And then very slowly you sort of reveal this is how they get you to agree to something that's so outrageous. Uh, so I, I really loved how the documentary sort of edited things that way. Well, it wasn't just chosen for shock value. I think Keith trying to normalize that in other cultures, it was perfectly acceptable for women, for children to be groomed sexually by adults and introduced to sex by adults is something he tried to to normalize and to drop into different parts of the curriculum um, because that's he's a sexual predator and molester of of children. So a lot of the program was designed around normalizing these concepts that eventually made um, you know, broke down the barriers of what your instincts were crying out, no, this is wrong, not only normalizing them, but then later on challenging women to accept things that would empower them because they were so uncomfortable like sending a naked photo or even submitting to a sexual act. Are you strong enough to prove that you can really do this, even if you hate doing it? Because if you are, then you can really get ahead with your life. Yeah. So in reality, it's a slow drip drip of, you know, ideas and little words carefully inserted into this curriculum that add up to this, what, you know, what you might call brainwashing, but we obviously couldn't, show five years of that. So when you boil it down to 90 minutes, you, you know, you, you have to select those moments to illuminate, you know, when is the temperature rising in that, in, in that frog, yeah. <laughs> in the that, frog in the pot. That's really what interested us is understanding coercive control and how this form of oppression was used so strategically to, to instill fear and to subjugate women. You know, that and also being a model for how do you get out of this trauma and how do you move past it? And I think we're most proud of the the end of our series, showing how empowered these brave survivors have become and using their voices and turning that trauma into activism. Yeah, I, I absolutely loved uh, how the documentary ended. And for anyone listening, you, you'll you have to wait. Uh, mm. Episode three airs this Sunday. Uh, it's very much worth it, the ending, seeing these women not just, you know, find their own path to healing, but really focus on legal pathways to make sure this doesn't happen again, which I think a lot of people don't realize is a reality in this in this country. You know, coercion laws, things like that exist other places. Uh, so on this, I would love to hear your thoughts, obviously, on Keith Raniere's sentencing yesterday. I mean, it's so groundbreaking. He's the first cult leader in America to be convicted and sent to prison since Warren Jeffs. And I think 120 years came as just a huge, resounding success and 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 belief that justice will be served in America. Yeah, there are laws in the UK. There's a law. Um, I think it's called their Serious Crimes Act, and it addresses domestic abuse, but coercive control and controlling behavior is criminalized there. And and one of the women in our film, Naomi, is pressing hard to help get attention on the importance of enacting that kind of legislation here. Yeah. Uh, and I thought, you know, in, at the at the sentencing yesterday, so many of his survivors were able to speak up. And I think for me, that was uh, what touched my heart the most is that this man who had for so long uh, used legal means to keep women quiet. uh finally couldn't do that. And finally, these women felt empowered and strong enough to actually, you know, make their victim impact statements. For you guys, how 
how does that, I, I feel like there's a lot of also sensationalism that happens there. How do we sort of avoid that? How do we avoid, you know, sensationalizing these things in the media where people just kind of want to pick up on the, the most disgusting facts? How do we focus on, you know, the healing aspect of it? In balance, you want to, I see you thinking, I have some thoughts too, but I mean, you know, India was called in the press as cult girl, a sex slave. Her mother exposed her story in order to bring down Nexium, but it really snowballed into this salacious, you know, media storm with all, um, really every outlet. And, um, and she really lost control of the narrative and she lost control of who she was. People were speculating things about her. Um, you see it in the first episode when she Googles herself and she really wanted to take ownership of her story and she was ready to tell it on her own terms, in her own words. And, you know, we found it fascinating to kind of dig behind the headlines and, you know, let her tell her real story and it's it's not pretty and it's complicated and it's not easy to understand and so our job was to help you understand you know what the years of manipulation and coercive control look like and how did she end up where she ended up and what she's going to do with it whether we can like solve it as a society i don't know i think we have to really turn the mirror to ourselves and say you know, how have we allowed this to go on for 20 years unchecked, uncontrolled, you know, just out of control? Why do women had to be branded like cattle on her vaginas to make this stop? It's It was clearly a problem. It was journalists were on it, you know, were seeing evidence of, of psychological, you know, dangerous psychological practices of financial enslavement of, you know, Keith's sexual history. Um, it was all out there, but it somehow just went on and on for 20 years. So I think people are a little bit scared of having this conversation. So they rather stick to the sex cult and the salacious details. Yeah. And watching Seduced, I mean, I'm someone who has followed this story, this cult since I was in college. I went to school close to Albany. Uh, I remember when the stuff about the branding was leaked. I remember seeing India's name on the Frank Report and in all these, all these sort of gossip magazines and following it. And it wasn't until I watched Seduced that it really clicked for me. She was 19 when this started. She was so young and I had never really thought about that until your your film really put that into perspective. It really focused on her humanity. You can only imagine how, you know, easy it is to to brainwash someone at 19 years old and how that kind of became her her education. Uh, which is really sad. Physiologically, your brain is not fully formed when you're 19. So it was still trying to wire itself and they they really sabotaged that. They really sabotaged the growth of her brain. And it, I think she's still struggling. And you see her in the series, but obviously we we have more, you know, personal um, relationship with her. And we see her struggle in still sliding back to like having thoughts that she knows she shouldn't have, yeah. having, making excuses for crimes she sh there should not be excuse. So I think the, you know, back to the 120 years prison sentence, that was extremely validating for her because, you know, there are days that she's listening to Nikki Klein and the other yeah. uh, loyalists yeah. and, she, and she's like, oh, was this just okay? And just the lifestyle choice and we're all adults. I mean, I think it's, it's um, easier than we understand to 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 empathize with that um with that perspective if you were really deep inside nexium yeah and i i think that is also important to note uh keith still has followers who are trying to work for him who are still putting these messages out uh you know they're they're the women who were in dos more people who believed in him in mexico all over and that is i think a danger that some people kind of overlook when they just focus on the you know the salaciousness and the craziness of the sex slaves uh is that 
he still has an impact on people that can hurt survivors right now. Definitely. He still has power. And also when people devote many years of their lives and maybe all of their savings to an organization, it's very hard to admit that you were wrong. It's easier to just double down and insist that it couldn't have been wrong. We must have been right. It must have been good. And it's it's so sad to think of people who still haven't woken up in spite of his conviction, his prison sentence. But also you asked about how not to sensationalize these stories. And that was something we, you know, was an interesting challenge. I think in Seduced, we had a lot of ways to make sure. I mean, mainly we were following the stories of these women. It was our job to investigate them and support them journalistically with evidence and tell the truth. But you know, they wanted to tell their stories. Their voices had been taken away, you know, India's and all the women in this film. So I think our mission was to return their voices to them, to help people understand what are the red flags that they might have seen that they couldn't see at the time. But maybe if you have this kind of education, you will recognize them next time. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. So I wanted to just touch on the animation in our film as one of the ways that we were able to dramatize some of the more difficult or what could have been salacious moments, but in a way that was evocative, um, but with artistry and, and, and without salaciousness. But we had the most amazing animation team working with us. Imbal, do you want to talk a little bit about them? Also led by a woman, Elise mm -hmm. Kelly. She and her team just made beautiful choices and worked with us in a co in co really close collaboration to help visualize those moments where there wasn't, you know, a lot of cameras around. It wasn't V-Week. It was kind of the secret side of Nexium. And, you know, bring another emotional layer to this experience. So even when, you know, you see a group of women, women naked, this is not about you know, animated porn, this is really painful to watch because you're, the colors, the composition really ex helps paint their emotional trauma. So, you know, we really are proud at what we achieved with the animation team. Yeah, I loved the use of animation. It it felt so different. It felt so personal versus, you know, I think the typical documentary of using reenactors and people who kind of look like, and I feel like that can be so distracting at times. And the animation here, it just pulls you in. You feel so heartbroken, uh, especially with India when when it's used to, to really kind of show what she was forced to do. Because um, I think a lot of times people try to push her in the role of, well, what did she know? What is she, what is her fault? Uh, and the animation just breaks it down. Imagine you're this young girl in your early 20s, and, and this is what you have to do to survive. These are your friends. This is your, you're sort of isolated in this group. Um, so I, I thought the animation was, was great for that. Moving sort of forward, knowing this is a story people aren't going to ever stop talking about. This is, yeah, obviously there's, there's more stuff that's going to come out, especially with the sentencing. There's more, you know, documentaries that are going to be made. More people are going to cover this story. So for you two, what hopes do you have as people continue to dig into this? What what are your hopes and future coverage? Well, my first instinct when you say that is like, oh, my God, I just worry for our 
survivors who appear in the film because this has been, you know, we've had to support them through it. And now we realize we have to keep supporting them through their release. Meaning, you know, at some point we realized Cecilia and I, as, as, as supportive and sensitive as we can be, we're, we're not professional psychologists or counselors. So we had set up a fund to offer counseling before, during, and after filming. And now we realize we also have to make that available for them through the release because it's like re-triggering to not only talk on camera, but now see it, having it shown you know, publicly for the world to see, you know, your most inner vulnerable trauma. Um, you know, I think they have now taken the reins and two of them in collaboration with the others have spearheaded this new website, seducedocumentary.com to help other people who are victims of coercive control or uh, coercive relationships. You can answer a questionnaire to see if your group is a cult or uh, if you're in a destructive uh, cult situation. Um, so they're really trying to illuminate and I think take their activism to another sphere. For me, I hope for them that they continue to be strong. I, I'm sure their healing is not like a straight line. It's going to have its ups and downs. Um and it, it's beautiful that this project created that support group, I would think, for them. that's That has to be really helpful. Well, that was something we learned on Brave Miss World, that you can't expect people who have undergone serious trauma to open up on camera without providing counseling and therapy and support for them. So we're really proud of the fund we've established to provide therapy sessions. And I think if there's an overall hope or goal, it's that People won't judge somebody who's been in a coercive group or high control group or a cult as readily. An understanding of the sophisticated targeting and recruitment that goes into finding very smart, capable people to join these organizations who will help run them. People in these groups are not stupid. They're not particularly vulnerable. There's nothing wrong with them. They were just manipulated by very sophisticated marketing and recruitment at a time in their lives where they might have been vulnerable. So I think that's a big hope that we can help understanding that picture and 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 also knowing what those red flags are and and that they're very prevalent in the self-help industry, you know, a very unregulated industry without any oversight or watchdogs or governing board as well as MLMs. Many of those have cult-like properties. So we really want to focus attention on being able to recognize situations where you can be manipulated and, you know, you you can suddenly put your, your hopes and your dreams and your good life into the wrong hands. Yeah. I, mean, I think people pick are, are starting to pick up on that. They compare, they watch the show and then they compare it to an abusive relationship that they had or a workplace abuse that they experienced or some other strange group that they almost joined or, you know, they just really see parallels to their own lives. Yeah. So you don't, you don't have to be in a crazy sex cult to recognize those red flags and, and tactics. Yeah. I, I, I mean, seduce literally works as a, as a sort of guide to recognizing those steps. I think that's amazing. It I, as a survivor personally, it's something where I walked away and I felt like I knew not only how to sort of help my own healing steps, but how to help other people and where to say maybe take a look at this. Maybe you need to think about physical therapy. Just op different ways of looking at therapy that you explore with India. I think a lot of people don't don't recognize for survivors. Was it important for you to capture that? I mean, India's story is so unfathomable. You know that she was just a young girl who wanted to start a catering company and that she got involved with this group was named as a co-conspirator eventually, you know, became a poster child for the cult because she was able, because Keith Raniere targeted her for that with India's positive spirit. She was a perfect recruitment tool, you know, from collaborating with the FBI and having that evidence that actually helped convict him. So the idea of trying to, you know, make sense of this whole 
just almost unbelievable story of hers and that she was willing to become a guide to to how this can happen to somebody i think it helps a lot in being able to explain to people how these things work exactly well, I, I think that's amazing. These were the big topics I really wanted to hit on. Uh, but are there any projects that you're working on that you're excited about coming up? Also, Ashley, just thank you for saying that as a survivor, and you didn't say of what, but I'm guessing either a coercive relationship or a, a group or or some trauma. Thank you for understanding our project and you know expressing that it, that it can be of help. That's incredibly validating to us. It makes me feel so grateful that what we what we tried so hard to do is is resonating. Yeah, I, and I think the sort of response I've seen uh, from survivors across a sort of variety of, of abuse situations, I've seen say, you know, this tells my story in a way I wasn't expecting. I felt that same way where I thought, oh, maybe this relationship is a hope. It can give me something or it'll help me get to where I want to be. And, you know, at times, maybe that is a little selfish or you, you're thinking, oh, I want to, I have this idea for a business. And when it, when it backfires, you blame yourself. Was it me? Was it my, was it me having dreams? Was it me wanting things? And seduce was the first time where I sort of saw that guilt looked at and taken away. You know, you see India and she's very much walking through those steps and then she stops blaming herself. And you see that on camera. And for me, that was, that was the most powerful moment when you see her breaking down just in therapy and, the fact that you guys were able to to get her to share that, to share that with the world is what makes the documentary so powerful. Oh, thanks. And that was the thread of the earlier conversation is that there isn't just one type of therapy or undoing these ideas or unprogramming that works. I think whatever helps, you know, whether it's talk therapy or physical body work or um, just the support of loved ones, um, the most important thing is to get help. and to get a support system around you and that you can heal and you can recover and you can turn that into something that can help other people. Yeah. Was there anything else you guys wanted to talk about? I mean, just future projects. I think we we have independent projects of our own that we're working on. We're also looking for the next um, perfect thing to collaborate on because we really love working together. You're an amazing team. Thank you mm-hmm. so much. I can't wait to watch Brave Miss World. I'm going to be watching it tonight. So so a little bit of both our independent projects. I mean, I'm always interested in the stories of women who speak out about what they believe in, even when it's, when it's hard and have the courage of their convictions. Um, so I'm developing a couple of projects around those type of subjects in Bali are about to embark on something. I hope not for too long because I want to work with you again as soon as possible. <laughs> well, you know, after a project like this, you really have to like take a deep breath and see if you can even tackle anything else or, you know, and with the pandemic, hit, you know, the pandemic hit in the middle of our editing process and we had to take, our entire team and, you know, led, led by our, is voracious the right word, uh, leader and can just keep going and uh, inspire everybody to do their best work apart, you know, from sheltering at home, but, uh, but still trying to work as a team to finish this. It was, it was a lot. And um, we've all, we both wore a lot of hats trying to get it to completion. So, I think we're just not only drained, but also super excited at the same time that it's out there, that it's doing the work that it needs to do, and that we uh, were able to support India telling her story and that she was able to speak in court yesterday and say her victim impact statement that led to the, the the right sentence, the you know the most appropriate sentence for this monster. And so, uh, you know, I just hope people you know tune in and take away what we hope that they would take away. Yeah, I I think you definitely have. And uh, you've come to a well-deserved rest in creating this piece that I think will not only help survivors, but can also work as a guide for other directors on on how to work with survivors and how to kind of do things properly. Uh, And I think that's also incredibly helpful. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. Thanks so much for having us on.
What a great conversation. I'm, I'm so grateful that we could have them on the podcast. Please, please, please check out Seduced on Stars. Uh, episode three comes out this weekend and it, it ends next week. If, if you need to get your star seven day trial when all the episodes come out, it is worth the binge. So that is episode two of TV I Say with Ashley Ray. What do you need to watch to get ready for our next episode? Well, this is your homework. This is what you need to watch next week. 13 Reasons Why. I'd recommend checking it out for one of our future podcast guests, Stephen Weber. He'll be on the show. Check it out. If you already watched it, maybe you want to remember what you liked about it or didn't like about it. I'd also, again, recommend checking out Seduced. Party Down, going to put that on the list too, again, because it stars some of my favorite comedians, some people we're going to have on the pod. Uh, and also Superstore is back. It came back yesterday. Check it out. I love Superstore. You know, yeah, sure. <laughs> Confusing politics around unions. But I do like that the show tries to push itself. Really excited to, to have Superstore back. Want to talk to some people from that show. So please get caught up. It's also going to be really interesting to see what they do with America Ferreira leaving. Um, and finally, I'm going to say homework. You got to watch the Amber Ruffin show. The Amber. You got to watch it. You got to. You got to watch the Amber Ruffin show. And finally, I'm going to say you got to watch The Con premiering uh, this week on ABC, uh, starring one of my favorite people, Diva Lacey from Scam Goddess Pod. Uh, She's on The Con. It's this new show on ABC hosted by Whoopi Goldberg about huge scams. And obviously she is on as their resident scam expert. So check that out, too. And hopefully we'll be talking to her soon. That's that's all the homework. But what I'm going to need you to also do is subscribe to our Patreon. Yeah. This is our second episode. And, you know, I bet you're like, oh, my gosh, I love this. What can I, what can I do? What can I do? I want to join the TVSA squad. I want to join the TVSA pod squad. The best way to do it is subscribing to our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash TVSA pod. We have different tiers. You can do $5 a month, $10 a month, $15 a month. Whatever you want to do. There's some extra fun stuff you get. You can watch TV shows live with me. You get extra access to, to special reviews of TV shows. Uh, which is pretty cool because I will be stepping away from some comedy and TV reviews uh, on on popular websites. So I would definitely recommend subscribing to the pod to to keep getting your TV news and opinions from me. Thank you so, so much for listening. This has been TV I Say Pod. We are so, so excited to watch TV with you. And we'll be back with another episode. I want to thank Rafia, who made our wonderful TV I Say theme song. And I want to thank Chastity Hyman, who made the lovely artwork that you are seeing. With Ashley Ray, another episode, another episode. TV I Say Pod is produced by Petty Mogul. With Ashley Ray. Another episode, another episode of TV I Say with Ashley Ray. Another episode, another episode. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu accreditation.